Welcome to the Lion's Den University Report. This program brings you a behind-the-scenes look at the spiritual life on today's university and college campuses. Now here's your host, Glenn Bailey. The following program was previously broadcast. My guest for this broadcast, Tom Cantor, the CEO of Scantabody's Laboratory and also the director of the Earth and Creation History Museum in uh, Santee, California. And uh, Tom, welcome again to the Lion's Den. Thanks very much, Glenn. And it has been exciting to be with you as we've been at a variety of different meetings uh, yesterday at Penn State University with some faculty for lunch and then in the evening for a campus ministry with uh, students and community. And uh, we're going to Bloomsburg University this evening uh, to speak on the subject of why creationists make good scientists. Uh, but we've also talked about your coming to Christ in, in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, coming out of a background of uh, being a Jewish and having a, a rabbi as a grandfather. And then uh, I guess your father and uh, some uncles were all medical physicians and led you to a desire to help patients. Uh, how did you get that burden in your life? Well, that's right. My father was an obstetrician gynecologist and, and uh, he was also a researcher in his own right. And uh, I can remember uh, many a holiday when, uh, with a promise that we would uh, do something together as father and son and that just seemed to be always the day when women would go into labor. And so I would spend the day in the doctor's waiting room and uh, my dad would come out with his uh, surgical gown on and uh, maybe some blood on him and, um, and he would say that, uh, you know, it was a baby boy or a baby girl and, and, uh, or maybe he was doing a, a surgery. He did surgeries to repair bladder damage in older women and, um, and, uh, and, and those images of him coming out um, of, uh, of uh, the delivery room or from surgery stayed in my mind and I thought to myself, it's a noble profession, I wanna go into medicine. Right, and though you didn't become a doctor, you're involved in, in medical research and we're uh, talking on this uh, subject for this uh, session of why creationists make good scientists and i want to share with our listeners just uh, some of the level of expertise that you do have in the medical field and in the area of biology uh, that uh, when you speak that creation is uh, your viewpoint of how things began that it fits the bible uh, that you speak from somebody who knows what's going on in science today uh, so uh, you have this burden for patients and you're doing medical research and medical uh, supplying medical testing for uh, kidney dialysis patients and, and other areas, uh, doing research with H1N1 virus and AIDS and other uh, important issues today. Uh, but uh, uh, you have this burden that patients be relieved. And one of the things you got into was stopping a product of another company. And uh, so tell us uh, what was involved in that uh, process I believe it was a nine or ten year process and and uh, uh, led to some amazing results yes well really uh, it dates back even to before forming the company when I worked at the University of California San Diego in the VA hospital and I managed a lab there that was a calcium metabolism lab and one of the tests that we were developing and running was for parathyroid hormone which is important for dialysis patients after having started the company we our company developed an improvement of that test that measured the hormone more specifically. And in that process, 
we discovered that the leading test, which was being used on 90% or greater than 90% of the dialysis patients, uh, particularly in the U.S., was malfunctioning and measuring patient values in some cases two to three times higher than they were supposed to. So this became uh, quite an issue and as um, at that time we in the company began to investigate the consequences to patients we found that it was resulting in an overdosing of uh, potentially lethal very potent vitamin D analogs. The side effect of the overdosing uh, could lead to arterial and soft tissue calcification which would then result in heart attacks and very painful existence. So we discovered this and we also found through Medicare records that at the time when this test did uh, begin to malfunction that there was a, an, uh, uh, an unexplainable sharp rise in the number of parathyroidectomies or removal of parathyroid glands which is what is done to patients when it is found that the medical treatments uh, from vitamin D analogs are not effective. So, uh, being convinced that this was harming patients, I started on a mission that lasted nine years to make it stop. Uh, it was a hard, hard road because for the one, for three reasons, or there were three reasons which were always put in front of me as obstacles. The first is that, uh, is that those that I tried to convince and I sent out uh, tens, literally tens of thousands of emails to physicians in the U.S. and overseas. I uh, was in constant communication with uh, nearly 200 government officials at the state level and in, um, at the federal level and uh, trying my very best to make it stop having meetings in Washington with the FDA, with the Department of Justice, even with the FTC. But the three reasons as obstacles that were always put in front of me was that the first one was that, well, you're not even a doctor. You started your company in a garage and now you want to guide medicine. The second obstacle that was put in front of me was that they said, you are a competitor. We cannot believe competitors. And the third one was that if what you're saying it was true, then the government surely would have made a stop by now. Well, th th that's okay. what, uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, what I had to deal that with. That always gets a laugh when you give that to audiences, yeah, too, I, that the I, government I, would uh, make the right decision there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I was getting absolutely nowhere, and it was very depressing. And so I turned to the Internet, and I began to search, and I found that there was a law. It was an interesting law because it was put into place by Abraham Lincoln at a time during the Civil War when the Union was, um, had tremendous problems with supplies, particularly cannonballs and gunpowder. Because the cannonballs were defective, the suppliers were cutting corners, they were actually cheating the government, and the gunpowder was laced with sawdust. So Abraham Lincoln, being the smart attorney that he was, realized that the only way he, that, that they could stop this was if they got insiders within the cannonball factories and the gunpowder factories who would step forward on behalf of the government and blow the whistle. So he created what's called the Quitam Law. And basically what he did as an incentive is he said that the recovery, the financial recovery that the government gets as a result of of, um, of, uh, of uh, going after these uh, defrauders of the government that the whistleblower would get a part of. 
Well, I found that that had been extended to healthcare. And the golden words that I read on the internet was that if you file a case under this law, in, in, under seal, that the government was obligated to investigate. So I filed the case in Brooklyn, in the Eastern District of the, of the Department of Justice, and the, and, uh, 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 and, and, and the government put together a large team of FBI agents, FDA agents, Office of Inspector Generals, Postal, uh, many, many different representatives, about 12 members. And I stood there for uh, two days and, um, and explained the whole case. I gave them all notebooks, which were 400 pages, which showed patient results and, and uh, all the evidence that uh, showed that these patients were being harmed. And the government was paying for these tests through Medicare. And um, so one of the FBI agents came up to me and said, Mr. Cantor, I can't promise you that I'll get you any money, but I will certainly promise you that we will do our very best to make this stop. And I looked at him, I shook his hands and said, thank you, that's all I want. And so, basically, to make a long story short, last year in 2009, the mother company of Quest Diagnostics, after having sued us on a frivolous lawsuit in federal court, trying to drain us financially, that happened back in 2002, where that lawsuit cost us $8 million just to defend ourselves. Right, and it, and it was ruled uh, out of place then you weren't convicted of that right? well uh, yes that's right and that was a hard struggle as well because our judge was um, was uh, uh, from our side was difficult uh, in that we won the jury trial but he did something which was only done one percent of the time and that is he declared the jury out of control and he reversed the jury and declared us guilty so it was only after we went to the Federal Circuit on Appeals that we finally won, and the other side, Quest Diagnostics, this uh, $6 billion company, said that they would not take it to the Supreme Court. So we finally did win. But and a miracle occurred during that time, because during those five years, uh, we did not have that money. In fact, we were in the middle of a building program we were planning to go to the bank for that was also costing us $8 million. We only had a million dollars, so we were $15 million short. And during that five years, when we were all of our time was consumed with defending ourselves down a court in depositions, doing mock trials, that the Lord Jesus Christ rained on us the profits of $15 million extra profits wow. mm. that we totally did not expect. And he did that to provide for us. So at the end of that time, it was a real wake-up call for me. I sat down with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I... So Quest uh, settled then, right? The they settled. Yeah, let me say that. They finally went to the government. They admitted that they had deceived and intended to deceive, and therefore their subsidiary company took a felony guilty plea. Very, very unusual for a company to take a felony guilty plea. That basically stopped them from doing business with the government forever. And so the, uh, previous to that, Quest had closed down that division, and that stopped the harm to patients, and they paid the government the largest settlements that's ever been paid for a faulty product, $302 million. Um, what I was going to say was that um, during that time when uh, we really should have been destroyed financially, Right. And the Lord uh, preserved us and provided for us. That was a life changer for me because I sat down with the Lord. I explained to him that I understood that he had kept the company from being destroyed. And it was if the Lord 
said to me, you know, there's two ways we can continue with your life. One is that you can continue down the road of business first, of grabbing and grasping, or I have another alternative. And the phrase came to me, you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. And I said, deal to the Lord. And that was several years ago. And so that changed my whole perspective to where it's the Lord Jesus Christ first, business second. Amen. And so uh, obviously for you to, to uh, cause a multi-billion dollar corporation to settle for a $302 million uh, fine over a faulty product uh, and fought it through the, all these uh, resistance, uh, you had to know something about what's going on. And uh, we believe that uh, you don't have to uh, throw your brains away to become a Christian, to believe the Bible, to accept creation, that God is the creator. And that uh, rather, though, you, you suggest it's the fact that you're a creationist that leads you to look at science in a different way. And uh, maybe as we close out, we only have a couple more minutes left uh, to share some of those reasons why you believe, uh, believing that God designed it all makes you look at science differently and uh, come out with even better conclusions. Yes, well, when I was in school, the education which I received basically was taking science away from God. It was saying, this is not God's science because this science came about as a result of randomness and of long periods of time. When that issue was settled in my mind, then as I sat down, I realized, no, this is the science of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his science because without him was not anything made that was made and by him all things consist. Well, we're going to stop right there. We're going to take a fourth segment with you. I think what we're talking about is so important. We'll be uh, uh, inviting you to join us again for this uh, edition, the next edition of the Lions Den University Report. My guest, Tom Cantor, CEO of Scantabodies Laboratory in San Diego, California. Thank you again, Tom. You have been listening to the Lions Den University Reports. If you would like more information about the Christian life or would like to contact the Lions Den or one of the guests, please write us at the Lions Den, Post Office Box 226, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania, 17844 or email ltcldur at yahoo.com.